Welcome back to LCC's podcast, Pursuit of Purpose. Boom. We are uh, back today with your hosts, Cody and Kevin. Uh, this is Nate on the mic. Cody, you got a language for us today, man? No, I don't, man. I'm too Why depressed. Why not? I'm, I'm depressed about the Big Ten right now. Yeah, yes. touchy topic, man. Yeah. Touchy. Uh, I am too, if that makes you feel any better. Kevin, how you doing today, bub? I'm good, man. I, I'll tell you this. This room feels new today. Why? Our closet. Well, we've got new mics. New mics. Oh, my goodness. So if if we sound different, like better than ever, it's because uh, we got some new mics, some new hardware. And we're just stepping up our game. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Always stepping up the game. Always stepping up the game. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started here on Pursuit of Purpose today. Um, first off, we're going to get a little bit of news going. Yeah. Oh, nice sound effect. Like it. Guys, crazy news this week. Um, Russia has claimed that they have found the cure to coronavirus. Oh, my. Joe Biden has picked his running mate, Kamala Harris. Yes. Okay. And the Big Ten. Mm. (sighs) Enough said. We don't need to talk about that, do we? Yeah. Well, let's talk about Big Ten because those other two things don't really matter. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in comparison, here in Ohio, they they probably don't football. <laughs> Jesus, football. <laughs> I mean, if you should have done them in reverse order of most important being Big Ten, eh, coronavirus. I was okay, just making you guys you know, hold your breath. The, there. The, the, you know, the Russians beat us at everything, right? Mm-hmm. Sputnik. We're, well, yeah. no, they even called their coronavirus vaccine Sputnik Five. Nice. That was a slap Just in the to face. rub it in our faces. Slap in the face. <laughs> Creative, is that though. true? Is no, that it true? is true. Look it up. <laughs> I, I saw it <laughs> on the internet. I, I am going to have to look that up. Because there have been so many times where Nate has like, and you know this, Cody, like yeah. Nate has said something. He's like, yeah, absolute truth. And then... No, it's not really true. Well, I'm looking it up right now, so give me okay. like 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, look yeah. it up. While you're looking it up, Big Ten, are you kidding me? Ugh. Football. I need it. Dude, I... For my sanity. I mean, think about some of these guys that are seniors. Uh, I mean, think about Justin Fields, quarterback for Ohio State, okay? Yeah. Like, this guy, if he had one more year to play under that offense, now that he's comfortable, like, his draft stock really could go up. It could be millions for that guy, and now he's not going to have a chance to do it. Now I understand the safety stuff. I mean, I am yes. I am not saying like disregard that, don't consider that at all. But it feels to me like the big wigs in the Big Ten are just protecting themselves. Like, because I I know the kids want to play. You know, I, I'm not gonna say every one of them. I can't speak for all of them, but I know those kids want to play. So it's. You know, you just got to think like... The Tears big, you up, man. Yeah, the Big Tears Ten's protecting itself. Like, yeah. that's what it feels like. Am I wrong? No, you're not. No, you're not. Was I wrong? Was I lying to you? Well, I can't find it. It just keeps <laughs> talking about how they have this cure. <laughs> okay, now. so that's that's not a good start. Okay. <laughs> he read it in the tabloids. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, man. People Magazine said it was there. <laughs> So they said they got a cure, and do, the, do we know anything else? That's just they're just saying that. Huh? Not really. I think they might just be saying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this could all be over with November fourth. 
is what we're saying, like the Corona thing. Man, I hope so. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, I don't even care if it's a, a political conspiracy at this point. I just want it to be over. Yeah. <laughs> just, to be able, just, just to be able to like go somewhere and not have to worry about a mask. You know, yeah, like I just want to watch football. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the mask thing. I, you know, so I, like it doesn't bother me. Like it, it's annoying to try to remember it. Like, but I don't care. Like, I don't mind doing it because of what it means to protect people. But you're right. It's just like everything. And everyone, like I, I, I was meeting with a guy today and like, we didn't know how to greet each other. Right. Like, do I shake your hand? Do I give you a fist bump? Do I give you the, you know, the foot tap? What, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it just makes that awkward. And then like even the mask thing, like when you're talking to people and you want to express yourself, but like you're all you can see is their eyes. Right. And it's just, ah, it's just awkward, man. I feel like there is a it creates a separation. And then I just think like even on, in church on Sunday, you know, and we had a baptism this week, you know, Logan Burgess got baptized. What an incredible thing, right? But there was this, there was this feeling of, can I hug them? Can I celebrate with them? Can we get in a big group? Can we shake his hand? Can we, you know, all these things that you want to do that create community and love, like you're just, you feel like this. There's this barrier, and I, I just hate that part of it. I I understand it, and and I know it's just for a time, but it's just like, you know, what at what point's too much? At what point do we say, hey, listen, like, you know, the this is more important than than going through all these safety precautions. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Needless to say, it's uh, it's taken over our lives the past few months. Um, it's been a big, big uh, topic, big point of contention. Um, and, and during this time, I think a lot of people have had time to sit down and reflect upon maybe some other problems that are not necessarily new in our country and in our world, but um, things that need shed on, uh, you know, light brought to. Uh, and one of those things I know we've been talking about it the past couple of weeks, you've seen more, more hashtags and more calls of action to this, uh, this big issue on social media, especially and in the news. Um, and, and that's the topic of, uh, trafficking. Yeah. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. I, I think we were kind of talking sex trafficking. Um, so that, that is kind of what we want to touch on today. Um, it, it is a topic that, uh, needs more light shed on it and it's needed it for a very long time. Um, so yeah, we, we just want to try to hopefully maybe offer some perspective to it, um, and, and shed it through, um, the eyes of God in this case. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, real quick before we, before we jump into our topic, um, had a sermon this week, politics of the kingdom uh where we talked about citizenship and and really it was it was really just shedding light on this idea of that either you are 100% in or 100% out and i i feel like that has weight for our topic today because you know there is this clear line of being in and out and that that does seem exclusive it is exclusive because outside of christ you know there is there is you are out within christ in a relationship with christ you are in and 
And I think, you know, when we talk about any subject within Scripture, there is a, there is a line drawn that when you cross this line, it is wrong. And, when, and, and if you don't cross this line, then it is okay. And, and when you talk about sexuality, sexual immorality, when you talk about sex and, and, and all the different areas that you could go in this, like knowing that there is a clear line that has to be drawn of what is good and what is right and what is not, um, you know, lets us rest in our understanding of that, that we don't have to go down you know, those rabbit holes that others do that are outside of Christ when trying to define what is okay and what is not okay in these subjects. That's the beauty of, of where we stand, you know, and a lot of people won't agree with that, but that's the beauty of it. And that's why I think the citizenship and that topic that we talked about this week from Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22 is so important because it it is really the standard for that, okay? You are in or you are out. And, here, and, you, and there is a hope. And you can have freedom and you can have new life and you can really live the way that God has designed you to live if you are in, but you can't if you're not. Um, and, and so that that was what we dealt with, you know, just to re- refresh that. Moving forward, moving into Ephesians chapter 3. I know, crazy. We're, we're in Ephesians 3 now, y'all. Woo! Chugging along. <laughs> I feel like we're on like the Oregon Trail, taking forever to get to the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> the Oregon Trail. I hope I don't die of malaria during this. <laughs> oh my this goodness! Journey. Here we no, go. you just broke your leg, but I fixed it. <laughs> what's Thanks, the man. What's the uh, the COVID nineteen thing that you can take that cures malaria too? What is that? Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take some of that, and you don't have to worry about it, Nate. That's right. Good Do you day. have any? Huh? Do you have any? I mean, I I had some because oh. I went to India. Uh, but I, it was like 10 years old or something. Did it give you really weird dreams? Sorry, I know this is like completely off topic. Really? Did, that really, did, you, did it give you really weird dreams, like vivid dreams? I mean, not that I... It did me, man, when I took it. Oh, you? when did you take it? Like, did you Haiti. have malaria? No, I didn't have malaria. It prevents malaria. <laughs> well, I know. Okay. What are you laughing about? Like, <laughs> Did you have malaria? <laughs> I hear that's like a rough thing to have too. Um, I've never had it, so. But no, I don't. Because you took hydroxychloroquine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nate. And neither do I have COVID nineteen, so maybe that's. uh, I don't remember the dreams. Or do you? Do you you really know if you have it? Yeah. (coughs) All right, so maybe we should get a little serious with this topic. Yes. Um, You know, one of the things, and we and we do, we we've had to talk about COVID-19 several times. And, and this comes up again when you talk about this subject, because one of the things that I heard early on, you know, fears from, from teachers and people that work in the school systems are, hey, listen, like these kids being here in school, they have meals, which maybe they might not have at home. Two meals a day. Exactly. Exactly. Two meals a day. They'll feed them breakfast a lot of times because they have mm-hmm. a lot of different programs for that. And... They aren't in homes with with individuals who may force them into things that that they don't, of course, that they don't want to be involved in. You know, so there's a protection right. there of being away from an environment that may be toxic or may, you know, take advantage of them. And so, when you when you start thinking about sex, sexual immorality, sex trafficking from that standpoint. It really opens your eyes 
like I say, that the fact that, that kids have been home so much, maybe in these environments, it opens your eyes to, to the fact that it's a problem that we could kind of ignore when this wasn't going on. It's harder to ignore it now. And it's becoming more prevalent because because we're seeing so much more stuff in regard to it. I mean, it, you know, when, when my mom was on and she talked about her situation, mm-hmm. you know, it was a shame thing, right? You don't talk about it, you know? You just, it's not something you talk about, it's something that's shameful, it's something that, that you know, that, you, that, that we want to ignore and pretend like it's not there. We're being forced more and more to come to grips with the reality of what's really happening because it's getting closer and closer to home, right? COVID's the same way. Like, why is it becoming more of an issue here now? Well, because we're seeing cases pop up everywhere, right? And so when it's, when it's the person right down the road who's contracted this, right, or is fighting for their life in this, it makes it much more real. Well, the sex trafficking, we could ignore, but it's be, it, it's becoming harder to ignore because of how big and how much of a problem it's become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue, one of the issues with this, um, with this topic is there's, you know, there's ages, age... So, so I, I, I'll, I'll come from from a police perspective, and I'm a stat guy. So let me, let me just start this way. So every year, the attorney general's office does like stats for this type of topic, right? They 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 have the ages like 17 and under, um, 18 to 20, whatever, and 30 to whatever, and then they say, you know, these are the reported cases of sex trafficking in Ohio that they know of for sure. Obviously, there's a lot more that we do not know of. Uh, however one of the things that you just covered with the kids being at home a lot is one of the biggest issues in sex trafficking is uh, runaway or um, runaway kids or, or basically kids that are unsupervised. And so whenever they're at home, if your kids are old enough to be at home by themselves, that creates that issue. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I can get into this a little bit more as we go further, but I just wanted to kind of piggyback that. So, I mean, you're on the front lines of this, Cody. Like, you know, what what are we what what should our eyes be open to as individuals who by and large probably have healthy homes, mm-hmm. grew up in healthy homes? I mean, even though I mean this stuff happens and it happens in our homes, like what's really going on? Like what's really happening in our community, like sure. locally? Yeah. So, I think the first thing that we need we need to be aware of and it's scary to actually hear this Ohio is ranked fourth most traffic, one of the, the fourth most traffic state in the country with, with define, sex trafficking. Define what you mean by sex trafficking. So sex trafficking, it's any type of act that's committed that's a sexual act, and, they, and these individuals are doing this act because they're forced or compelled by somebody else to do this, and that person who's compelling them is getting something back in return. Temp, typically, it's money. Um, this is a stat that, that blew my mind was in America, they estimate that sex trafficking generates about $35 billion a year. That's more profit than Google, Nike, and Starbucks' profit combined in one year. Now, does that include what we see virtually, like online it's, and some of those things it, as again, well? Yeah, it's an, it's an estimate. So, I mean, it's probably within that ballpark, but yeah, they're doing online Type of trafficking they're doing the person to person type of trafficking. I mean, it's 
again, it's an estimate, but it's they're pretty close, I would assume. I mean, there's there's no reason they just throw a number up. Um, but so in that regard, like, what is something? And and I know you you have to be careful about like what you share, but like, yeah. what's something? What's a story locally that we can say? Okay, this is this is what it was here. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, and something that we that that like really maybe hits close to home for us. Is there, is there, is there trafficking that that has happened locally that you're like, this is the way it happened and this, and it happened like here and at this point and with this person. Yeah. So I think a lot of the perspective of trafficking, if, if we do not educate ourselves on this topic, they perceive it as something we see in movies, which is a kid or, you know, a, a small girl's walking down the road and this car pulls up, they pull her in the car and then they take her somewhere and eventually they ship her or him across country. Um, and then that kid is brainwashed to believe that this life they live now is the life they've always lived. And that's not the case. What we're seeing now in law enforcement, and it's been this way for a, a long time, is it's majority women. So when I, when you hear me say women, I mean, that's statistically, that's what it is. I mean, women unfortunately overpower men in this topic, but these women are being trafficked in a manner that they're conducting or conducting sexual acts for they'll get, they'll get drugs in return for this, but they also receive money for the, for the sexual favor they're doing from, for the client. And then they take that money and give it to their quote unquote pimp. Um, that is going on in Leesburg it's going on in Wilmington. I can point out at several different houses that, you know, we're aware we don't have enough, what we call in the law enforcement world, probable calls right now. Um, but we are working some cases that obviously I can't talk about. It's, it's something that, you know, before I became a, a police officer, I never really thought about, you know, I didn't, I always thought that movie, that movie thought of, of sex trafficking, you know, that I mentioned earlier, but this is, and it's not just in this area, this is nationwide. This is one of the biggest issues is, is uh, drug dependency that these women primarily are, um, facing, you know, they're, 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 they're fixing a habit and they'll do anything to, to fix that habit. So if this pimp gives them drugs for what they're doing, they'll do it again and again and again and again, just to fix that drug habit. And it's, it's a, it's a seriously, it's an unfortunate event. How do they get out of that? It's, it's one of those things that's really tough. It's no different than just a, drug addict that's not doing sexual favors, just a drug addict, just being a drug addict. It's a real hard stat for them to try to get out of being a drug addict or a drug addict. So same thing. So the addictions driving a lot of like these women's, these women being involved in this yeah, and the control over them. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just, if, if you can imagine craving food so bad, I mean, we've all been there so hungry. I mean, magnify that by, by a million. That drive alone to get that little bit of drug in their body, like you would do anything. When you're starving, you would do anything to get food at that moment, right? Well, I mean, you hear cases like in World War II where um, where they, uh, you know, you have these these times where people are, 
you know, they're in the situation, they're, they're being surrounded by the enemy and, you know, they don't have any food, water, anything coming in and they, and they cannibalize each other because they're so hungry, you yeah. know? So, I mean, from that degree, like you can kind of understand that because hunger is something that we all deal with. Right. So and to, on a, de- on a, to a degree, like we can think, okay, well that makes sense. Cause I've been hungry before. Right. And it's easy for you just to go to your cabinet and get food. Right. So it's easy for this girl or guy. Um, they know that if they do this, 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 sexual act they know that the end result for them is they're going to get that food and for for food for them is drugs and so they will go beyond the realm of what they a normal person would do to 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 get that drug in that moment and in return they get cash for what they do and then they like i said they turn around give it to their pimp and, and this is something that happens a lot so in america yeah it's it's really unfortunate and so let me let me ask you like from this standpoint so just thinking about this from a you know from someone who lives in this community and someone who you know you know i i don't see it like i absolutely do not see this happening so like in what regard in what ways can can I identify this? Um, in what ways can I say like, you know what, like here, here's where it may be happening and how it's happening um, from that, re- in that regard. So some of the things you should do is like, just if we all have what we call the, I call it the spidey sense, but the suspicion that, that feeling that something's going on. And, you know, my mom and dad always said when I was a kid, like if I did something deviant as a child, they, were able to have this weird sense that I did it. So if you get these types of feelings in these, in these situations or circumstances, when you're out in the public outside of your home, or maybe unfortunately if it's happening in your home, it could um, look for signs of abuse and signs of abuse. I mean, mental and physical, physical being bruises. Um, a lot of these individuals who are being trafficked for sexual favors, they're they're tied up. That's that that's a common thing. It's a dominant thing to show dominance. Like I'm I am your master. You're going to follow all my rules, and so they'll tie him up. You look at the you look at the uh, the, the the woman um, that was found in Cleveland after being um, trapped in that home for all those years. I mean, she was she was she had chain link um, chain link um, cuffs around her wrist and and her feet. Um, so look for bruises. Look for marks on their wrists, look for, uh, defeat in their eyes, their demeanor. It's not like a, it's not going to be something that just pops out like, Hey, here it is. I'm able to identify this right now. It's not something like that, but it's just more or less just being aware of the person, the individual and, um, looking for those physical signs. And again, the, the, the mental side of this would be, just that defeat and um, the devastation in, in their eyes, their their demeanor. Um, one of the things that, as law enforcement, I'm trained to, to recognize if there's suspicion there is if this male who is their pimp, or sometimes they call him a master, if if I'm talking to the two individuals and, and he primarily does all the talking and doesn't allow the female to talk, yeah, I heard and, the same and, thing in a motor vehicle or on the street. That is a big, big red flag. If the female doesn't make eye contact with me as I'm questioning her, and he and he he answers all the questions for her to me as a law enforcement officer, that's a huge clue. Huge clue. Um, so many times that that's happened across this country, and there's been so many awesome cops 
that have recognized that and pulled her out of the vehicle and started the process of, Hey, I'm here to help start talking. Now, some of them don't want to talk still. They still, you know, they don't trust police for whatever reason, but some of them have, and they were able to get that individual out of that circumstance and provide them the, 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 uh, help and need that, they, that, that individual needed. And so they, you know, provide them housing, they provide them food, they get, they get them out of that situation. But you know, it's, it's, it's something that it's really hard to identify, honestly. I mean, it's this big of a problem and it's one of those cat and mouse games with the police. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's hard for us to catch the catch these and act because the individuals who are being, who are victims of this generally don't want to talk. They don't want to cooperate because they are fearful because these people that are controlling them tell them, if you communicate with your family, if you tell anybody about what's going on, I will kill whoever fill in the blank. And so to protect family, to protect their kids that they're no longer around, they, they don't talk because they, they fully believe this person will kill who they love the most. Well, and two, like, you know, one of the things you're talking about, like, the, these are, I mean, we would call them prostitutes, correct? Well, I mean, that's, I, that's, 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 that's a fine line because... Like, no, I know, I know, but I'm, I guess what I'm, I'm making a point. Like, this, okay. this, this girl would be considered a prostitute, even if she's being used or coerced into this, Correct. Yes. So what is her protection in this from, from like, cause I mean, if I'm her pimp and I say to her, listen, go ahead, you can tell me, but the reality is you're doing this thing wrong too. And if you're doing this thing wrong, you're going to go to jail too. Mm-hmm. And if she's trying to put food on the table or provide for this habit, or maybe she even has a family that she's trying to provide for, right? like what's to protect her from, from law enforcement, not coming against her you mean like arresting her and for, charging yeah, her charging her so yes i have put something pulled up here it's from the attorney general davios yeah uh it might offer some perspective here on the difference between so sex trafficking can include prostitution but prostitution does not necessarily constitute sex trafficking the distinction between the two is easily easily remembered as two versus three unlike prostitution human sex trafficking must involve a third party to it is that what you have, Cody? Yeah. Uh, meaning that someone besides the person receiving an act is involved. Commonly right. the third party, one who profits is the boyfriend or quote unquote pimp. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's prostitution in and of itself is not trafficking unless, like you said, there's a third party in there that's receiving benefit from the prostitution. That's not the sexual favor. We're going to we're gonna pause for just a second. Um, with new equipment comes new problems, and, uh, <laughs> and we've got a mic that is causing us some problems, so we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, sorry about that. We, uh, like I say, new equipment, and Cody can't keep his hands off of it. Sorry. Just like a little kid, man. Jeez. <laughs> I like to touch everything new. I'm sorry. <laughs> so shiny. Um, but along those same lines, I was one of the one of the podcasts that I was listening to this week in reference to this um was they they talked about how a lot of well, not a lot, but there are places where where doctors and nurses are being trained to notice the same things that you're talking about and the reason being is because you know you think about how many how good of a chance is it that you as a cop patrolling come across a situation where you see that 
I mean, it happens, but probably not as often as these girls are getting diseases that have to be treated and their handlers are taking them to get checked on and they're going in, hey, I'm her dad, hey, I'm her uncle, you know, they're controlling the conversation, you know, that same demeanor. And so the training young people who are going into the medical field to be able to recognize those same things so that they can then identify that, either pass that information along, or, and here's the thing that that they have, you know, the power to do as well, say, hey, listen, you know, I need to talk to her alone, this is a private situation, can you please leave the room and have that person out of the room so that they could really have a, a real conversation, and they would, like, maybe not trust the cops, right, because right. they fear getting in trouble themselves for what they're doing, but they may trust a medical personnel, medical personnel, that could then help them get out of this situation or find the right avenue for them to get out of the situation yeah right it's i mean like you said the medical field they are mandated reporters so if they suspect that there there doesn't have to be an actual crime committed if they suspect it they have to report it to us at or whatever whatever local law enforcement agency um governs that area yeah but and and schools are the same same thing with teachers yes schools are the same and so they and I I have had a couple times you know in almost six years just a couple times uh, the ER there at Clinton, or Clinton Memorial Hospital in Wilmington they've called on suspicion of abuse and I've went in and I've talked and both times from my case there was no dominant person there present it was just some comments made by the by the woman uh, or the women um, just some observations of their uh, behavior observations of injuries, things of that effect. And both times they shut down and I, and you know, there's, there's conflict there at times where me as a larger male walking into a hospital room in this uniform, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, as a police officer, that might be intimidating, but me being a, ma- a male, I do know that there, there's, there's cases that women would prefer to talk to other women. So that's why it's a huge asset for there to be women in the police forces for, right. for not just for that, but that's a good asset to have during those times. But you're right. I mean, it's yeah, the hospitals are, are receiving better training in that because it's becoming educated across the country better. You know I mean? It's becoming more aware throughout the public. And so it's, it's, it's never going to end. Just like when people ask me, hey, is this drug pandemic or epidemic? Sorry, pandemic is coronavirus. <laughs> but this drug, this, is this drug epidemic ever going to cease or slow down? And I said, no, it's not. I no mean, way. It's, it's going to get worse. Yeah. And so how do we combat this is education. Education is the first thing. And, and it starts not only with just ourselves, but it, you know, it starts with police officers, the frontline workers. It starts, like you mentioned, with the medical field. It also encompasses the judges, the prosecutors. And everybody in between and, and the children in schools and, and talking to your kids about this. And, um, you know, it's, it's a huge issue right now. Well, and it is like, you know, as we're talking, the more we talk, the more overwhelmed, you know, that I feel in this, you know, because the reality is the problem is so big and the reality is as much as we would hope police enforcement our judiciary system, you know, political things are not going to fix this problem. No. Like, no. it is one-on-one, people get involved, 
in individuals' lives. And before the show, I mean, Nate brought up, you know, that we are to love orphans and widows. And, and, and the reality is a lot of these young people that are involved in this or being exploited in this, you know, are taken advantage of because they come from a bad situation. Sure. Maybe a bad home. Sure. Um, where, I mean, what was the situation in Portsmouth? A guy just, you know, got in trouble for, you know, he had molested young people years and years ago um, because their parents had brought the the kids to them for drugs, right? And then allowed him to abuse their children so that they could get drugs. And then they grew up after being molested and started taking their kids to him. And it would have it's this vicious cycle that when it would have went would have went on and on and on if someone hadn't stepped in. And I know there's a group in Portsmouth. I know you've heard of them. I don't, I don't can't remember their name, but there's a group in Portsmouth that are mobilizing to go after things like this, you know, this situation. And and but and that person has no law enforcement degree, or you know, they're not social. They're not social workers. They're just people that, hey, I was abused, like. There is a need for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be an activist in this. I'm gonna get involved. And I think you know, I think as Christians, as people who love God, like we need to be on the lookout. We need to know what those signs are because where we can get involved is hey, listen, if we see this in our lives, we don't live in Cincinnati. You know, there aren't there aren't women on the corners who are being trafficked, right? Like there are in Cincinnati, Columbus, and some of these major, you know, hubs where people are. Right. Um you know, by and large, the majority of families that live here in Leesburg. You're not, you're not going to see this, but that doesn't change the fact that it's happening behind closed doors. You know, and and that we, if we can be aware of these things, then then maybe if that situation ever, you know, pops up, we have an opportunity to do something about it. You yeah. know, and so it is. Education is a big deal for us. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a uh, video, Ashton Kutcher, he's an actor, and and he was talking about in this video that he is a huge advocate for combating sex trafficking. And I forget the the name of the company that he orchestrates, um, but he he was talking a lot about that. And it's scary to think, I think we have how many kids total here in this room? Was it six? I have two, you have two, Kevin, and you have two as well, Nate. So there is a high probability based on stats that one of our kids is going to be addicted to some type of substance based on stats. And so when when you relate that to this topic and substance abuse is one of the leading causes of sex trafficking, that's a scary thought. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter like drugs or substance substance abuse has no boundaries. You could be the best father, Christian father, and I know this is dark, but you could be the best father, the best family, raise your kids the way you're supposed to teach them everything they need, they need to know, or at least as much as what you think they need to know. And then they go out, they try something one night and then they're hooked for the rest of their life. And they're constantly chasing that high and, and they chase that high by doing things like this, which is right. Because sex. are, are any of us going to support our child if we know what they're doing with that money? No. no. So then how are they going to get that money? Exactly. I mean, they can yeah. get involved in something this, I mean, Some, especially women, right? Right. I mean, boys too though. Sure. But especially women, you know, because there is a desire out there because of how far sexual immorality has, has slipped. What did you find? What Ashton Kutcher's 
Thorn. Thorn. That's Thorn. it. Yeah. Thorn. Thorn. Yeah. And it's it's a really cool it's a really cool um, organization. And actually, they found a child that was being trafficked that the police didn't find somewhere. There's a story behind that. Um, it's if you look up his stories and stuff, it's pretty cool and interesting. But they found some some child that police couldn't find and was able to get that child back into his family's arms after this child. I mean, this was one of those cases. It wasn't in the home home area where the where the kid was living. They actually took the kid out of state to another state, but they were able to track this kid down and bring him back to his family. So it's, it's, it's horrible, man. It's well, and, and here's, here's the crazy thing. Like, so we're looking at it from this, even, even the, you talked about in the beginning, you know, we think of sex trafficking as this thing we see in the movies where they come abduct your kid and send them off. Right. Well, right. We then we back off from that and we can make it more local because of how local guys are taking advantage of of women in this. But take it back even further than that mm-hmm. and put a camera in a room where a little child is being sexually abused. Yep. Video it and put it online and you and and that's another avenue for sex trafficking today that didn't exist before cell phones right. you know and now that is still traceable right but the reality is like there's i mean there are task force we have a young lady from this community who works for the FBI that that's all they do is mm-hmm. look for for child pornography you know and find these people and try to you know chase them down and find but the reality is like for how many things that are being posted and where they're routing that through and stuff, by the time they find them, I mean, the damage is done. Even is. if they stop this this thing from happening, you know, anybody with a cell phone can start, can start trafficking in that manner, you know, to where people that, you know, that, that are looking for this can find it and pay for it and, and, and and they have an avenue for that to happen as easy as your cell phone. I mean, that's how crazy this stuff has gotten. Yeah. Two thoughts on that. So first, a lot of people probably don't know this, or maybe they do. I don't know. I didn't before I got into law enforcement. Google helps combat what you're talking about, which is the video uh, sex trafficking. And they send local law enforcement agencies hit comms or hits that say, hey, this person on the, using this IP address from this computer on this internet was looking at pictures of this individual, and this individual Google believes is a juvenile. It's all it's all combat through the, the internet. There's not I, I I mean there's eventually a person that has to go through and process what Google's looking at. And I'm not a technical guy. Nate's better than at, at that than me or you, so I don't know how to explain all this. But once it gets to this this person's desk. They review it if they can. If they can confirm or believe this person is a child, they they send us for Wilmington Police Department. They send me or the other detective an email with the whole case they put together. And it's not necessarily a kid in our community, but it's a person looking at this stuff. We don't know where this child is, but we can say this computer at this house, this location. We pinged it. Google pinged it. You were looking at this stuff. Maybe you wasn't, but somebody in this house was looking at these images, which is pretty interesting. And so, and, and, and the other thought I had on, on what you were talking about was there was another story that I read and there was a girl that was doing this. She was doing videos, um, by herself for entertainment, for viewer pleasure that sick enough, like to watch these kind of things. And she grew up, became an adult, grew past this is a good productive citizen. But she said she remembers as a kid vividly that she thought this this was a form of playing. Like, 
So I put that in perspective of my two kids. You know, I got two girls and their perspective of playing is so much different <laughs> and oh, far-fetched yeah. than yeah. what she thought at 10 years old. It's like Kendall thinks playing is playing video games, running around, chasing all of her friends, you know, jumping on swings, doing triple backflips off the couch, you know. That is her. her and That's pay, impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't really do it, but, you know, she, she's always jumping off the couch and getting yelled at. But she thinks that's playing. And, and for this girl or this individual, she thought at the time that what she was doing was playing because somebody manipulated her. They, they, they took her, they trafficked her across this World Wide Web and told her this is, this is how you play. And she thought it was okay until she, she became older as an adult and realized, man, it was, it, was, it was heartbreaking to read that story. Well, I mean, and that's the reality. Like there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of stories just like that to where young people are being taken advantage of just because they don't know better, you know? And you just think about those situations like, again, like this story in Portsmouth of these young people whose parents you know, didn't have enough love to protect their children from this, but yet expose them to it because, you know, because they wanted to fulfill a need, you know, a selfish need of, you know, a drug habit. Um, I mean, again, the rabbit hole for this is endless. I mean, it's endless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back and making it local, like, what are some ways that the you know you say hey listen it could it it's it's happening in Leesburg like in what what way is it happening in Leesburg like like what what specifically I know that you don't know a specific situation but right. I'm just saying like specifically what would it look like if it was happening in Leesburg you wouldn't probably see it you probably wouldn't visibly see it out and about like you said we're not new york we're not chicago we're not doing the the old style i call it old style prostitution where you got individuals on the street corner people pull up they get into the car they do their deed with them they come back they give the money to the pimp and then they get fulfilled by getting their drugs you won't see that primarily out and about it's happening in homes it's happening in what what we call in law enforcement as, as the trap houses so everybody just kind of flops in this house and this guy who controls the house literally controls minds. So I've had individuals that I've spoken to in Wilmington and, and, and this is relevant to Leesburg because it's only 15, 20 minutes down the road. Right. Same thing in Wilmington, same thing in Leesburg, just maybe not as big because there's not as big of a population. However, um, these girls that I spoke to about situations when they're clean and sober they'll talk to you about it and they've told me numerous times like in the moment that I was there I just thought that he was my master like he was it he was the alpha omega in the house and anything he said I would do because I knew that he gave me the food or the bread or or their terms drugs and so it looks like it looks like a house that has people in it and the people that you see if you know what a drug addict could potentially look like. And not all drug addicts look like a specific person, but I think, you know what I'm alluding to here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have, they have the, the hollow look. They're kind of just walking through the town, you know, typically really skinny and just, you know, defeated. Um, you see a lot of people going into a house like that, especially females. And you see these females going in dressed up, um, there's a few individuals in, in Wilmington that they, when I, when I know they're, they're doing what, what we're talking about, which is sex trafficking, 
they have high heels on, they have, you know, different clothes than, than what they typically wear because they're about to go in and do their job so they can get fed, get fed with their drugs. So it's not really something I can't really describe. Like I can't paint a picture. Like this is what it looks like. It's just, it's, it's a secretive hard thing to observe. But again, if you look beyond what you think it might look like and look for just the, the signs of a lot of people in and out of a house, suspected drug use in the house, you see a lot of females going in and out and it's a 10 to 15 minute window of these women going in and out. Um, and then, and then you maybe are close with this individual and you're seeing bruises. Um, you're seeing marks around their wrists where they've been tied down. Um, you know, those are the signs that, you know, you're going to see and, and that's, that's what you're going to look for. And so what do you do from there as a person is, is you contact law enforcement? I mean, period. You don't, you don't think you're going to inconvenience them. You don't think that, well, I, I, I don't really know if you have a sixth sense about this, let them know. And if nothing's done immediately, cause I promise you nothing's probably going to be done immediately. It's not going to change that next day. It's probably going to take months and months and months, but eventually there might be a breakthrough there. And, and, and for me, from the law enforcement side, if I can pull these individuals, these victims out of this house, there is so much funding that state of Ohio has allocated to this topic where we can get them housing. We can get them, um, we can get them, you know, food, we can get them relocation. We put them in, we'll put them in safe homes. Uh, you know, we'll start doing the process of, of humanizing them because they're so dehumanized in those moments. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things we can do with them, but, you know, don't hesitate to call. Yeah. So from this standpoint, you know, as, as a church in a small community, like, and as individuals who care about justice and care about, you know, young people in this community or people that are being exploited in this way, like, what can we do to be involved in fighting this? You know, you know, I mean, we're not, I'm not a police officer, you know, so I'm not on the front lines of this, but like, what can we do as individuals, you know, who, who care and want to see change, but maybe don't know how to help bring about that change? Sure. I mean, the umbrella statement, and I'll be more detailed is love. You know, we have to show God's love in all of this, but there is an organization in Wilmington that they they bring these individuals in and they, they feed them. They, they show them love in a way that these individuals are not seeing it. They're also witnessing them, you know, speaking about the gospel around them because I spoke to the um, director of this program and he's catching a lot of flack because a lot of these sex trafficking individuals or the victims are also homeless, which is a big problem in our community. Um, he said, you know, I catch a lot of flack for what I do because in, in, in my business, the area where I conduct our business is kind of a, the main stream, stream of flow of traffic throughout the day. He's like, but I look at it like this. I'm probably the only person in their entire life where they get to hear the gospel. And he said, if they never get to hear it, then how do you expect them to change? One of the, one of the shows that, um, that I listened to had a, um, a stripper she got involved in in the trafficking through through that game she she started out she was doing that and but then it went to being abused in in these other ways and and she said 
had a conversation. Someone had come into, I don't know if it was the strip club or that she had met, and, and they specifically, the question they ask is, what can we do? Are you okay? Can we help you? Right. It's the first time anybody had ever, ever asked her that. Yep. I think I think a lot of people in that industry feel trapped yeah. because of the drug situation or because there was one story where, and you know, this goes down a completely slippery, slippery slope in and of itself, but it was a, um, a, a man who was transitioning to become a woman. His family had abandoned him because of that. Um, he was a teacher. They found out that he was transitioning, so he was fired. He couldn't get another job and felt like the only way to provide for himself was then to, to begin to sell himself. And he talked about how there was the invisible chains you know, and like you talk about with these pimps, like a lot of the women that I heard tell their stories in regard to this, they felt like there were these invisible chains that they could not break. And people weren't asking, how can we help? Because mo- most of the people that they're seeing are just thinking about themselves. And even from the other side, you know, you know, the, the men that are soliciting these individuals for themselves and paying them for, you know, for acts, whatever they are. You know, they, they don't care about these young girls or these people. You know, they care about, you know, fulfilling this desire that they have. And so, you know, the, the people they're coming in contact with, you know, aren't asking the question of how can we help you? Like, what can we do, like, in this situation? And, and again, it, it's, it is a prison. It is slavery because, you know, they're being held down because of the life that they come from or the lack of support that they have in that, you know, our kids are going to grow up in homes where despite their decisions, like we're their, we're their parents and we love them. Right. Right. But that's not the, that's not the case for everybody. No, no, no. And, and to add on to your initial question from this was, you know, what do we do as Christians? Um, so I, just two weeks ago, I was on a board. I kind of got voluntold to go on this board and, and, and it was, sounds like the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. It's kind of the story of my life. And so the topic was sex trafficking and what we can do as a county in Clinton County to combat this. Right. And so at the end of this, at the end of this meeting, one of the biggest things that we discussed that was common with everybody. And, and we had, we had sheriff, police, social workers, CPS, education, everybody spinning their wheels with this, right? Coming from all angles of the community. And the common thing that we we talked about was, is when these individuals want help, they need it immediately, right? If somebody says, I need help, typically the process is, okay, we'll take you here. Okay. And then this place says, well, it's going to be an hour or five hours because we've got to wait for you to sober up. We got to wait for this. We got to wait for that. And then by the time it's 12, 12 hours, 24 hours later, this individual is ready just to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm ready to go back to my normal life. We need an immediate, um, assistance for these individuals. So what, what the one thing we're going to be talking about next month in our meeting is generating a, a kind of like a task force. So as soon as law enforcement has an individual that is reaching out and let's say we have these faith-based facilities that will help these individuals with rehabilitation. If it's, if it is substance abuse and, and you know, their substance abuse is a um, part of the sex trafficking, we have faith-based places we can take them. And so this task force, you know, this is somebody that law enforcement can call and then there'll be a group of eight to 10 people 
and you can just call one of these 10 people and they'll respond to that area immediately to take care of that individual and take give them. Me, give, so I, I'm, I'm trying to track with you. Give me a hypothetical okay. story of what this looks like because it, I mean, I think I know what you're saying, yeah. but I, it, you know, I, I don't fully grasp, okay, why would it take 24 hours? Well, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I work night shift and a lot of the businesses are closed at that time. Right. And so it had to be an emergency situation for certain businesses, entities like CPS to come in. Typically it was like, Hey, fax me the report and I'll get it tomorrow morning. But if it was an emergency, they would come in, but it would take a while, you know, because this person's sleeping in bed, the CPS worker or a social worker, you know, same scenario, unless it's an emergency, they won't come in. So hypothetical, I'm working the street at night and I arrest this individual. I, I suspect, obviously, I arrest, let's say I arrest her for substance abuse. And then I start talking to that individual. And, the, and then I start suspect, suspecting trafficking, sex trafficking. And then she breaks down and says, I just need help. I have nowhere else to go. This would look like this. I If, if this task force is compiled together and running full steam, I have eight to ten individuals as an officer that I could call and be like, I got somebody that needs help. These individuals have already established a connection with these faith-based rehab facilities that will immediately accept these individuals for us, and then they'll respond to me on scene, take this individual straight to that location. Because the common denominator is if this individual who's struggling with addiction that is going through this sex trafficking type of behavior, if they don't get an immediate response for their cry for help, they'll probably never, never get help because they want it now. Just like you, if you're driving down the road and you're hungry, you're just going to pull over to the road and get McDonald's cheeseburger because it's right there. You can get it right now, right? You, you don't, you don't want to wait. I would pull over to Skyline. Well, I mean, wherever. Nate, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. But, you know, you're not going to wait. You're going you're gonna, to, you know, you're going to do it now. Same thing. Like if that availability is not there for them, then we're already failing them. You know what I mean? Like, on top of the fact of just educating the community, educate, like I spoke about earlier, this is the biggest issue is we don't have in the front lines, we don't have immediate help right now for these individuals. And, and I could talk about this for hours, you know what I mean? Like, and explain why I'm saying this, like that we don't have immediate help, but like literally we, we just can't, we right now in Clinton County, I can't just take a, a, a female who's crying out for help, who's being a victim of sex trafficking because she has a bad drug habit. I can't just immediately say, okay, I'm going to take you to this place over here in Claremont County that, that will, you know, help rehabilitate, rehabilitate you, get you on your feet, teach you a better way of how to live life and, and go those steps. I I can't do that right now. I don't have that access. I don't have the capabilities to do that. So we're, if that's the issue and most of these addicts that we talk to say, in the moment that I am broken, the most broken I've ever been, if you don't fix that problem or help me fix that problem right now, I will never get myself right. If that's what they're saying, then that's what we need to do, right? We need to learn from the experts, and the experts are the ones who's doing it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Because I'm, I'm like spinning my wheels with it right now. No, but and I think too what you're also saying is like in some ways we don't know. Right. I but, mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, because – this has been, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, this has been a situation that's been neglected for a long time. 
you could say neglect or maybe necessarily it it hasn't been put out in the light of the public or social media as much as it has recently. So now that it is, guess who's getting the pressure? The ones who have to combat it and deal with it, right? So now we're getting the pressure. It's not just police. Like I said, it's social workers. It's CPS workers. We're, I mean, obviously, it's, it's becoming an issue because we're having meetings about it that I've never, to my knowledge, we've never had a meeting about this topic in Clinton County. Maybe we have. I don't know. But it's never been openly discussed in our, in our agency. Now it is. Like, hey, guys, if you see this, contact this person. If you see that, you know, this is who you contact. You know, now we're starting to generate conversation. Whereas when I first started, it was, yeah, we know that this goes on, but, you know, that's their choice and we'll arrest them on the drug offenses and maybe they'll go get some treatment, you know, but by the time they get arrested, they put them in jail. They sober up after seven days, you know, yeah, they want help. The judge lets them out, says, go get help. They don't go get help because they don't have anybody to take them. Right. And it's just a lack of lack of uh, reliable resources. So as Christians, like, I'm not saying that we we need to be a transit team for these individuals, but maybe we do. Maybe, maybe you know, if that's something that we feel led to do, there's some ind- individuals, like I'm saying, in Clinton County that they're saying, hey, I want to be a part of this and fix this, so I'm tired of complaining about it. So I, I, I will donate my time for free to drive individuals to these locations to get them help, to at least, you know, try to combat this. Because if we're not doing anything besides complaining about it um, and just discussing it, then it's really never going to change. Well, and I think I, it was several podcasts ago you were talking about people posting things on Facebook and saying something, but do their lives really reflect that? And I, it's the same. It's the same notion, you know. If if we truly care about this, if we truly want to see change in this, then we have to be involved in that. And so, you know, that's another question I'd ask. Uh, you know, is and and let me let me come back to this because I have another question in regard to this, but. You know, let we, let's talk about like specifically what can we do? You know, right right now, us sitting in this room, and and the people that are listening, and this an LCC as a, as a church in this community, mm-hmm. like what can we do? I want I want to discuss that, but but first, like when when you're prosecuting individuals involved, who do you go after? Because the, because there's there's three people involved. Okay, mm-hmm. you have the pimp. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that, of course, I think we all believe that should be gone after. But then, how do you even begin, you know, to get the information together to take someone like that down? I mean, that's got to be very difficult in and of itself. Because here's a person who's practiced and under. I mean, if they've been in the game long enough, then then they know all the ins and outs. They've been in and out of jail. You know, they've they've done all these things, and it's probably going to be hard to tie them down to this. Yeah. You know, the other thing is like the prostitutes, right? Mm-hmm. That are involved. I mean, if it's a minor, then that's one thing. That's a, I think a different animal in and of itself. Yeah, but if it's a, if it's an adult, then I mean, according to law, mm-hmm. if she's selling her body for sex, like she is committing a crime. Yep. And so again, like, does she go to prison for, you know, again the slavery that she's in? And then thirdly, there's the individual who solicits that person, the individual who pays that person, sure. and then the sex act is done for. Yeah. Like, who do you go after? Like, what What do you, you know, where do you even begin with that? Because sure. there's there's so many situations in every one of those cases. You know, I was hearing, I, I heard in, I think it was, I believe, and, and don't quote me on this, I believe it was Minneapolis where, you know, they, they're taking them through these guys who get, 
They get a slap on the wrist. They they don't get the people who solicit people for sex get less of a um, punishment than people who who fish without a fishing license. Less of a punishment. Like in some places, they have to watch a ten minute video and then they send them on their way. Right. Okay. So uh, do should that be more severe? And if it should, like, what should it be? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and then. You know, do you do do you prosecute these women who are being taken advantage of, and and you know then the women who are maybe who maybe should be pr- prosecuted in this because they aren't being forced; they're just doing it, sure. right? You know, how do you how do you define who's who is and who isn't? Right. I, I mean, there's this is it's complex. this is so complex, man. Yeah, it's it's like the dope game; it's like the drug game. I mean, it's you go after the easiest person to go after for law enforcement to arrest would be the vulnerable, most vulnerable one, which in this case would probably be um, the prostitute or the, the one who's soliciting depending on their lifestyle choices. Cause sometimes solicitors of prostitution are individuals like you and I who are productive citizens in the community that have a sexual desire that they're not getting fulfilled in their normal life. Right? So they may be the more vulnerable one of the two between them and the prostitute. So if you can get either the prostitute or the solicitor and the goal would be is to, in our and police terms, flip them, flip them with the dealer. So like with the drug game, it's no secret. You know, we arrest people that have drugs in their possession and if they want to work for what we call team America, which is they are an informant for us. Um, they, um, they, 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 uh, you know, we'll, we'll set up deals and, and, and they'll go buy drugs for us as an informant. And what this enables us to do is it enables us to get probable calls to go into these drug houses where these dealers are and, and, um, raid the house and arrest the dealer and go after the big guy, right? Cause you tackle the big guy, a lot of the little ones fall. And so that's, the end result would be is is getting to the the pimp, getting to the guy who's controlling this entire game. You know, getting the money, abusing the individual if it, if there is sex trafficking there, and, and it's not just prostitution. The the end result would be is getting that individual. But how you get to that individual, typically, I'm not saying always, uh, or I'm not saying never, but like typically, you get to them through getting through the prostitute, talking to that individual, almost but not threatening with a criminal charge. I mean, it's not really threat. They they can be charged for what they were doing. Um, and then asking them saying, Hey, you know, if, if you don't want this on your record, because that isn't, you know, a lot of them get embarrassed by that, they will flip and they, they will, they'll work with us and, you know, they'll go in, maybe, you know, you've seen it in the movies, wear wires, whatever, and do what they have to do. And that gives us probable calls to, to make arrests on individuals who are controlling these, these, these women. So, and, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, so Cody, like in terms of around here, mm-hmm. You know, do you see more of like a hierarchical, uh, like approach to these sex traffickers that are taking like, you, like there's that big fish, and then you have all these little fish under him, or is it more like a lone wolf type of deal where you just have this guy over here who's controlling this small ring, this guy over here is controlling this small ring? Is that, I mean, is there a difference on how you approach that? I mean. And it's hard for me to answer for Leesburg. I mean, I can answer a general, a general, general answer for that because in Wilmington, it, there's only a couple locations in Wilmington that we believe this type of activity is going on. The sex trafficking is that what is that what you're asking? Is 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 it like is there like a lot of different little 
rings of sex trafficking or is there a, is there like is there only just one, one or two big, big like almost like a mafia right. style yeah no it's it's and, it, and it's not really big it's um it's really discreet but in wilmington it's just a couple houses um they got a couple females you know and and there's behavior i can't really go into a whole lot but there's right. behavior that we know um is consistent with you know at least we know it's consistent with prostitution now i say sex trafficking because i know some of the individuals that's doing this and there's belief my my spidey sense so we're working this these cases and you know it might pan out here in a few months um you know but the end result is i don't really care to as a police officer i don't really care to arrest and find these individuals who are being victims, you know, of this sex trafficking. I don't care about that. Like what I want is I want them to get help. I want them to get out of that circumstance, but I want to go after the guy that's controlling and being their puppet master. Right. And that's the guy I want to go after. And so that's what we're doing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say though, like when it involves, if it involves children, that's going to be harder to, combat and and this is what i mean so i served at a church in in indianapolis is a big church one of the policies they had was i was not allowed to go anywhere with a a female co-worker if there wasn't another adult present because if even if there was a child and you know you you think okay that's safe right you know you're you're being you're with another another kid and what would you do the reality is like you could manipulate that child into saying or doing you know, whatever you want so that you could get off and, and no one would ever discover what you've done with this coworker. That was the policy, right? Right. But it plays into what we're talking about. So when there's kids involved, you know, you threaten a child's life mm-hmm. or, you know, if it's from a healthy home, you threaten that child and say, I will kill you and your family. Okay. So now that child feels like I'm protecting my family by not saying anything. Sure. And so you have this happening where... Where kids, this could be happening to kids, and you may not discover it until they're adults because they're fearful and they're, you know, you talk about brainwashing, they have, because they can so easily be manipulated, you know, that, you know, you may not discover that ever in their life until much later and it's too late for yeah. them. You know, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's the the female in that, in that uh, interview I was reading about. I mean, she was brainwashed and manipulated to believe that what she was doing was playing. So if a cop was to talk to her about it, she might just say, I'm playing. You know what I mean? So it's hard to distinguish what they're talking about when they say play. I mean, there's different tactics we use. You know, we have dolls and things and say, show me how you play then. And use the dolls. Show me how you play with this. You know, we do things like that. Because in a kid's mind, it's not an adult mind. And so for them to try to explain what's going on in in their world, um, it's really hard to understand. But if you kind of break it down to their version and their understanding and then they can show you that's kind of the the goal we have with that but you're right i mean with kids it's so hard and it's it and and it it goes on a lot i mean i've had a lot of cases that individuals have called and suspected it and you know taken pictures and i couldn't get a prosecution out of it because not enough witnesses the 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 juvenile was six seven years old i mean six seven year old juvenile you know what I mean? Like, is that is that they're them on them on on stand in a ju- it holds no weight. Right, right, yeah. So I mean, in a state of Ohio, typically if you're going to arrest a, a juvenile, they want to wait till they're about 12 years old before you charge them criminally because that's when they think the culpability state is there for them to understand the process of court. Now there is some ex- exceptions to that. So you know, 
in this six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old range is a common range when it comes to kids. You know, that's a common range for these individuals who like sex trafficking with child, with children. You know, it <clears throat> it speaks volumes to the deterioration of sex ethics and how far you know our culture and the world you know as a whole has fallen you know and and you know we we, we're out of time and so we're gonna have to shut this down but you know one of the things i'd like to see us get into next week is to talk about to talk about some of those things because the reality is you know there are things that we can do and you've spoke to those things and and hopefully we can speak more to that as time goes on and and hopefully you know some of you that may have a passion in regard to this because of maybe something that's happened to you in your life mm-hmm. like i would just say anybody that's listening where you know this is something that either you're involved with or you know of like contact us um and and an avenue for doing that you know would be you know um emailing us or um, contacting the church in some way, the, the, the number here, 937-780-9495, um, the, uh, the, an email that you can contact, kevin.stuckey, S-T-U-C-K-E-Y, at leesburgcc.com. You know, um, Cody, I don't know if there's any avenues that they can contact you or law enforcement in that regard. Um, if there's issues, maybe you want to give those. Well, yeah, I mean, depending on what area you, you reside in, if that's uh, Highland County, Clinton County, any county, you always have your local sheriff's department that you can contact. Um, you also can, if you have a village or a city, contact that police department. Um, you know, and, and if it's if you reside in Wilmington and, and you suspect these types of things going on, please call Wilmington Police Department and you can specifically ask for me. You don't have to ask for me, but you can ask for me um, and I will definitely pick up that phone call and I would be glad to assist in whatever way, shape, form I can to get that process rolling to stop this massive epidemic that's, I mean, just a horrible, horrible thing. Horrible thing. And it is. And, you know, uh, again, if you have a passion for this, is this something that you want to combat and you feel God tugging on your heart to, to really begin to do more Then then please let's start those discussions. You know, let's, you know, if you have a story, you know, that, I mean, we would, we would love to hear your story and how maybe, you know, you've been affected by this, you know, not, not to put it out there if, if that's not what you want. But, but again, I think, you know, one of the things I thought was so brave about my mom coming on was mm-hmm. her sharing her story and not enough people are doing that. Right. You know, we're afraid to talk about this. Um, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not okay, you know, to talk about this. It's a shameful thing. It's, it's a disgraceful thing, but I think, and there's multiple sides. There's, there's the, the side of people who have, you know, desires that are not okay, you know, that are not sexually moral. We need to have those conversations in Mm -hmm. safe environments where you can begin to tell people, Hey, this is where I'm at and know that you're not going to be shamed, you know, that you can talk about that, that distortion in your sexuality and however that's been created. Because a lot of times, you know, your sexual ethic is distorted because of something that maybe happened to you when you, when you were a young person and talking about those things and being able to find the right help counseling, you know, good godly Christian counseling to work through that or whatever it is, you know, we need, we need to be fighting for this. And, and if we suspect it, we need to be willing to step up, you know, and talk about this and be wise in, in regard to that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I want to get into it more. And so we're going to do a part two of this, um, where we'll talk maybe more about, you know, kind of the, the sexual morality side of this and get into kind of the slippery slope that's created from our culture, um, in, in episode two and, and continue the dialogue. So thank you for joining us. Um, God bless you. Uh, again, this has been uh, pursuit of purpose and, uh, we're signing off. Have a good week.